0: Hi there, and welcome to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose. The Gontrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly to entrepreneurs, cannabis growers, product developers, and cannabis medicine researchers, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients everywhere. Today, my guest is Kirsten Nelson. Kirsten Nelson is co founder of Blunt Branding, a strategic marketing firm that focuses on revenue generation. Through Kirsten's unique psychological approach and educational background, she focuses on the business infrastructure necessary for explosive growth. In addition to Ghostwriting, a Wall Street Journal best selling book, she has proven successful by increasing her clients' revenue consistently by triple digits. So we asked Kirsten to be on this show after getting really strong feedback about the Blunt Branding commercial we ran two weeks ago. Um, So instead of me trying to explain what psychological marketing was to everyone who asked, we decided to just invite her on the show to offer us all some free consulting. So I want to be clear that our podcast guest spots are not paid for, and we invited Kirsten because her approach to marketing is so unique and people were asking about it. So with that, welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thanks, Django. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, glad you could be here. So, you know, when cannabis had just started to normalize enough that folks were actually bothering to make company names and start designing packaging, there was a lot of trademark infringement and poor production quality and, you know, brands that were barely thought out. But as we transitioned into seeing more capital infused into the scene and an increase of marketing professionals making the switch from other industries, what are some of the milestones that you see the industry hitting that suggests that it is maturing at a branding level?
1: Well, this is one of the exciting things about the the cannabis industry. There are a lot of exciting things, but like you described, the initial uh, barely thought out brands. I always kind of call that the throwing the wet spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, it's it's hasty, it's rushed. Um, but now we're getting to the point where. We are seeing development and people paying more attention and getting a little more strategic in developing their presence. And in my perspective, you know, the trademark infringements that we're seeing that are that are getting called onto the carpet, you know, between uh, like Snoop Dogg and the Canadian Hockey League, uh, this is a sign of progress. Um, people are being taken more seriously. The industry is being taken more seriously in general. Uh, we've got big corporate players stepping out, uh, which is really exciting. So we've had. Microsoft, Apple, and a number of other Fortune 500 and 100 companies really starting to uh, be a participant in normalization by adopting their company policies and even stepping into the marketplace.
0: You know that makes a lot of sense too because you know up until now the the heavies were just kind of ignoring us and and most of the industry was was appreciating that because there wasn't as much competition but there is a certain amount of respect in the fact that the heavies are starting to come and get involved. I mean even though we most of us just wish we could keep the money to ourselves, it does it does speak to the maturity of the industry that big players are moving in and even bothering to try and defend their trademarks.
1: Exactly. And really that is- is another big call to action to all of the business owners in the cannabis industry because the bigger players are stepping onto the field. It's time to get your game together. Uh, the, the poorly executed brands they they do show us something that is very interesting, um, and it really is counter to what most people believe. And the misconception in that is that cannabis sells itself, and we're going to see that misconception. Um, challenged in a lot of different ways as these other big companies are coming in and there is the increasing threat of corporatization in cannabis. Um, The truth is that the real battle is not selling cannabis to your customers. It's convincing, convincing your customers why they should buy their cannabis from you.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And even even if they're not a cannabis-specific retailer, that goes the same for, you know, grinders and Absolutely. rolling paper and, and de- you know, everything. There's so many, the, the market is becoming so full with companies that all want to take advantage of the green rush that now it's not, do you want weed? Because the answer is always yes. It's, <laughs> do you want our cannabis? Do you want our grinder? Do you want our professional services?
1: Exactly. And, you know, the market is quickly flooding the... Pretty soon, your custor- customers will be able to get whatever they want around every corner. The sustainable business models, these are the going to be the ones that give the higher order value. They get their repeat customers. They have more word of mouth because they are taking the time to be intentional about how they show up in the marketplace and how well they stand out in their customers' minds and lives.
0: So you know we're talking about like a perfect world where cannabis business owners would be you know excited and they would be you know active in their branding so they can you know show differentiation between themselves and their competitors. But you know when I participated in the dot com boom, there was not very much resistance to brand strategies. I mean the the entrepreneurs understood it, and while they may not have always agreed with the marketing teams, they were glad to have the marketers around. That said, that's not really the case <laughs> as often in cannabis. You know, we, not only do we see trim budgets and companies that can't even afford a marketing team, but also like straight disdain for marketers because you know, especially the people who come from the prohibition era, they're 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 used to not needing that kind of a thing. Yeah. And and then some folks are just against marketers philosophically, right? <laughs> so so what has been your experience? Are you seeing an increase in the acceptance of marketing professionals in cannabis, or is it still really cool and and very few companies are are, are getting professionals?
1: Uh, we are still at the early stages of the game where there is high demand for skilled marketing assistants. Uh, but what we are seeing is the more aggressive and savvy business owners who recognize this need, who are watching the trends, who are seeing all of the other big players encroaching on the space, that these people are willing to and make that investment in carving out their niche in the market and really driving their stake into the ground because it's going to get... A lot more competitive it is. The that's just gonna the the dynamics of the industry, uh, the marketplace. It's going to shift, and if you aren't on top of it, you're not gonna stand out, and you're gonna get flushed away.
0: Right on. Well, let's get to our first area of, of places that, you know, the, the, the owner business owners can be on top of it because, you know, we invited you here to, I mean, we can talk theory and that's fun, but the goal was to really, you know, provide people with some things that they can do, um, that are concrete that can help them increase their bottom line. So, um, so what is the number one opportunity that you see right now that cannabis companies are missing that could help them increase their revenue?
1: Well, in cannabis, uh, in, in selling cannabis specifically, one of the things that is hugely lacking in all the dispensaries that I've been to is increasing the average customer order
0: value. Okay, so that's a really wonky answer. Will you break that out and kind of explain it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, selling cannabis is more than about transaction. In any kind of selling, it's more than just transaction in making the sale. It's about creating an experience. It's about building relationships. It's about building trust. And the way that you increase average uh, order value with your customers is – by intentionally crafting that experience. And you do that by figuring out what your customers need and what they're going to use it for and how does this cannabis fit into their life. So if you consider uh, selling a car, if you are a car salesman, uh, not the sleazy kind, but the car salesman who actually wants to, to give your customers the car and connect them with what best fits in their world, the vehicle that will will take them where they need to go in their life, if you will. Um, the, you, you have to know what your customer is going to use it for. Like if you just sold everybody who came in a Maserati, you know, what is the the family with eight kids going to do? They need a club wagon, not a Maserati. Uh, or a minivan, if they have just three kids, what are they going to use it for? Is this going to be a work truck? Is this a commuter vehicle? Uh, are they buying it because they want to be more environmentally conscious, and so they would be a better fit for a Prius? So that kind of analogy translates into understanding your customers, because everybody has a little bit different need in coming in to a dispensary. Contrary to popular corporate beliefs, we don't just all want THC and get as high as possible. The, you know, it leaves out all of the medicinal benefits Is someone coming in because they have anxiety. Well, if they have anxiety, you better not give them a sativa because uh, that's going to most likely make things worse and give them a negative experience. And especially where there are so many people who haven't smoked since high school or maybe haven't even smoked at all, but because things are becoming legalized, they're open and, and interested into experimenting and seeing how cannabis can help them in their lives. And so if you're not aware of those different needs – you are doing a disservice to your customers and also to the whole normalization of cannabis because normalization really comes uh, into play at a grassroots level in educating the customers, educating the populace, giving them a positive experience of what cannabis is and dispelling a lot of the myths that we had in, in, you know, the war on drugs and D.A.R.E. Uh, So, Figuring out how cannabis fits into your customer lives, you can sell them the right car, quote unquote, based on their needs.
0: So, so I get that. And that sounds like a good customer service sales cycle. Um, but how does that actually impact the, the average customer order? I mean, because this all comes back to uh, increasing the bottom line and you talk to that a lot. So, so let's assume that, that the, the bud tender or, you know, a website, if you're selling grinders, let's say that you're doing that. How does that directly translate to, to increasing the size of the order?
1: Well, if you consider, well, let's just take the newbies. Uh, Somebody who's new to weed, maybe you smoked once or twice in high school, if at all, but right now you're looking to get back in. So you don't know anything about it, and likely the stuff that you smoked in high school was, uh, you know, skunk weed that somebody sold you in between breaks at school. You know, it it was not high-quality stuff. There was not the the variety that there is now. So for someone who comes into a dispensary and you see everything that's in the shelves and on the walls, it's overwhelming. You don't know where to start. And so uh, you need to rely on the bud tender to help you experience it. So something like creating a newbie kit, Uh, like if there are new moms who are trying it out and they're afraid of getting too high. So you would sell them some lemonade or something with black pepper that's going to help smooth out their experience in case they get too high. Like Dr. Ethan Russo, he always recommends the pesto noodles with black pepper. So, you know, that <laughs> I've, I've be, seen that
0: slide too. <laughs> yeah, that could be
1: a really fun thing of, Hey, you know what? Go get a couple of your girlfriends. Here's your newbie kit. You guys can go ahead and get high. And if you get too high, you know what? Or if you have the munchies, you can have this delicious pesto noodles with black pepper and make it an experience. And that's how cannabis will, will be instilled in normalized into people's individual lives. You know, before like coffee breaks, that used to not be a thing. But because marketing and advertising and coffee companies showed people how this fits into their lives, it's become an integral part of everyday experience in so many people's lives.
0: You know, I I'm sitting here kind of imagining this, what this the store would look like, and I haven't seen this anywhere yet. So like, so let's say that we used your example, because like, you know, we all know that that if you get too high, uh, giving yourself some fresh lemonade, something with black pepper in it. I mean, even just smelling the black pepper will will help even out your your high. So, uh, but but whenever beverages are sold at cannabis stores, it's always uh, infused with more THC, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And, and 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 if you get you know, if you, if there are, if there's anything to eat there, it too is infused with THC. Right. So your suggestion is, is after they use your product, they're probably going to want to imbibe either for pleasure or because they got too high. So go ahead and have the non-THC items in the store as well. which So that, that starts to make the store purchase more of a lifestyle visit than just scoring some cannabis.
1: Absolutely. And that really is what good marketing is about, is addressing the lifestyle needs and creating that relationship with your customers based on their lifestyle and inserting yourself into their world and becoming a part who's thoughtful, who's considerate, who's helpful and makes life better. That is that is the definition of a good business
0: owner. Right on. Well, thanks, Kirsten. We're going to take a short break and be right back. You are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. As a cannabis entrepreneur, you know how challenging recruiting quality talent can be. Your day's already busy enough, and yet there is an ever-growing pile of resumes on your desk, and your team is begging you to hire more help. Hiring the right person can make a profound impact on your company. There's no reason that you have to suddenly be an expert hiring manager. Not when there is Viridian Staffing. Viridian Staffing recruits solely for adult use cannabis, medical marijuana and hemp companies and those that service them. Viridian Staffing's recruiters each have over 10 years of experience and they will use that experience to recruit the kind of employees that will make you look good. Whether you're looking for a master grower, extractor, grow room support or trimming, Viridian can find an appropriate person in your area. They can even recruit administrative or graphic design professionals who may not need cannabis experience. Because you are a startup, you may also need human resources help for a while. Viridian staffing can make sure that your HR files are complete and keep you out of trouble with state and federal employment requirements. Because the cannabis industry is booming, cannabis recruiting companies are popping up all over the country. But good marketing does not mean good recruiting some of the recruiting shops that have opened are run by novices who do not yet have a thorough understanding of employment law and the complexities of hiring for cannabis. Don't hire an amateur to find you a professional. Consider Viridian Staffing to make that stack of resumes disappear and complete your team with exactly the hire you were hoping for. You can find out more at viridianstaffing.com. That's V-I-R-I-D-I-A-N, staffing.com. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Los, And our guest this week is Kirsten Nelson, co-founder of Blunt Branding. So Kirsten, you know, the main reason we invited you to be on the show this week is because the popularity of your Myers-Briggs personality type approach to copywriting. Um, I've heard you talk about that at cannabis events and have talked to you about it on the side. And then when I repeat it to people, everybody's like, whoa, that's such a different approach to copywriting. Because, you know, most copywriters, they write for people like themselves. And that's a really small part of the overall buying public. So, um, So for this whole second part of the show, what I'd appreciate if you do is kind of, you know, give us an overview of your approach and then and then we'll we'll kind of transition into how people can actually do this at home. So so let, let's start at the top. Breakdown for people, I mean, for people who don't even know what Myers-Briggs is. Why don't you explain what that is and how it can impact good copywriting?
1: Sure. Uh, Myers-Briggs is a personality and uh, personal tendency decision-making model or Or tool and it is just a tool Uh, some people extrapolate a lot of things from this and other personality typing tools that takes it out of context and makes it kind of irrelevant so basically our approach is to use Myers-Briggs Myers-Briggs as a a model to one help you identify your own blind spots two it also helps you understand your own communication and decision-making styles and then three you're able to better understand your customers and communicate to them based on their values and decision-making styles. So it really is just a tool to step outside of your own box and look at the world through other people's eyes and kind of understand the buckets that they live in. So that you can come to them and, and speak to them in their language. One of the uh, analogies I like to use to explain what it what it is is it's like if if I were speaking Mandarin and I come up to you, Shango, and you're speaking Swahili, and I'm trying to tell you, sell you something that I have, uh, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. And it doesn't matter if I speak louder. It doesn't matter if I use more exclamation points. It doesn't matter what font I use. If I'm not speaking your language we're not going to go anywhere and nothing's going to happen. And you're going to miss out on a lot of communication because of those differences. Now, while uh, buying languages isn't necessarily as different as Mandarin and Swahili, Uh, There are a lot of differences in how someone makes their buying decisions based on whether it's an emotional decision, if they go by gut feeling, or if they research every single thing that they can find, the articles, the consumer reports, um, before they make that buying decision. So when you approach things in that manner, you're able to capture the more than likely 70% like most people just speak to their own personality preferences and buying styles. And when you do that, you are eliminating a massive portion of the market. So this helps to open that up for you and for your business and, and helps you to better reach your consumers and customers where they're at. And we did uh, publish an article, you guys published an article on gone where we go into a little bit more detail about the buying styles.
0: You know, one of the things that 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 kind of just debunked for me is that, you know, a lot of people think about as uh, psychological marketing as being manipulative. And what you're describing is not, um, you know, a technique for being manipulative to get people to buy something they don't want. You're talking about caring enough to be aware of different communication styles so that you can make your pitch to your customer in a way that they listen.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you you don't want to sell a Maserati to a family on a limited income who has 12 kids. It's not gonna be a God, good twelve fit. kids. God help them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they
1: need enough help. They don't need a Maserati.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so let's say you know so let's say that I am a cannabis business owner and either either I've got a cannabis retail shop and people I expect people to go to my website first to see if it's the kind of place they want to go or maybe even it's an it, maybe even it's an unlicensed business and I'm selling you know grinders and rolling papers uh, online one way or another uh, I'm going to be sitting at my desk on some boring Tuesday afternoon and I've got to write copy for my website um, but. You know, I'm I'm probably not really uh, familiar with Myers Briggs, and you know maybe I went read the Wikipedia page, right? But but if I'm just a normal person without an educational background, how can what you're talking about help me? How can I how can I use this myself as a normal person?
1: Well, if you're able to just segment it into two different types of buyers, the logical buyer and an emotional buyer, and speak to the needs that they would be interested in, if you can step into their shoes, if you will, what is a lo- logical buyer going to want? What what kind of details about your product do you have that you can share with them to answer any questions they may have? Share your track record. Why are you the best at what you do? And why should they be with you instead of someone else? Um, offer the information that's going to pr- prove that you have the best product at the best value. Those are types of traits that will appeal to the logical buyer. For an emotional buyer, they're going to want the emotional connection. They want the story. They want to see the human side of your business. What are your values? Uh, Like on your website, your about pages, your mission statement. Where can they connect with you? Are you on social media? What kind of interaction do you have with your customers on social media? They're going to want to know your story. How did you get into uh, cannabis how how did you start your business? Those types of details are very relevant to the emotional buyer and they're part of their decision making process. So this really is about connecting to your customers in a way to create an intimate environment and build that relationship, even if you never even uh, speak to one another. It can all it can just be solely an online experience and yet they feel like they know you.
0: I get it. So it's kind of there's like a continuum of how much you want to get into this. So so if you if you just want to dabble in in trying to write your copy this way, you can write stuff for people who buy logically and people who buy with emotion. And so and you can just talk about those and you'll you'll capture a huge uh, market share of of Myers Briggs personality types. But if you're a nerd and you really want to drill <laughs> down and you've got you know a couple free hours, you could actually go and and uh, tease out, you know, eight of the 16 Myers-Briggs personality categories and make the personas like you were talking about in the first segment and um and uh, and write to those. So it's really based on the time that the business owner has, how into this they want to get.
1: Absolutely. Because you, like what we do at Blunt Branding, we get very, very detailed and in depth in in not only planning out the business structure, but how that relates to the customers and crafting scenario work around the whole customer experience from start to finish and then back around again. Just to anticipate those different needs that we tend to overlook because we, get, we, we, are, we become our own experts and then we develop all of these blind spots because we forget that the rest of the world doesn't know all the things that we know. And so we make a lot of assumptions and we leave our customers behind, which is a real tragedy.
0: Right on. So, um, I'm going to ask you to tease out another, uh, personality type that, that, you know, somebody who's doing this basically, um, can write for so so if we've got the logical person where we're telling them you know all the fine fine details and you know the size of items and and you know you the the costs and the weights and the thc percentages <laughs> and and what it's made out of and all these you know all these kind of data points mm-hmm. and then and then the more emotional buyer we're telling them a story so that they kind of fall in love with our company right yeah and and they feel cared for and they know that they're going to get good customer service and like what's another one you know um I, was, I kept on thinking about people who are into sports teams. I don't know if they're their own you know, Myers-Briggs personality type. <laughs> but but um, you know, I know that there are so many cannabis companies that during, for example, football season, they're putting out pre-rolls that are, uh, have got the emblems or at least the colors of their local football team. That's got to be a personality type.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that type of connection, when you're selling to that, you're selling to, to something that people have an emotional conne- connection with. People get all sorts of crazy about their sports teams. So you are stepping into their lives, you're recognizing in their worlds that they have this connection, and you're giving them something that's fun to share with other people who share that value of of the, the interest in sports. It's like, OMG, you have the, the green and blue Seattle Seahawks papers, and you you know how what a novelty that is to share with your friends and to bring that kind of level of connection.
0: Right on. So I guess that just falls in the emotional category. So so can you give me an example that uh, that you haven't already of a different kind of a type of that that someone could write for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another one of the primary ways that the Myers-Briggs separates out uh, buying personalities and preferences is introvert versus extrovert. Uh, most marketing caters to extroverts and. It tends to be the loud, it tends to be face-to-face conversation, uh, a lot of interaction, direct interaction. And when you do this in your business, you are catering to 50% of the population. That sounds pretty great. However, on the flip side, you're missing 50% of your introverted customers. Mm. And here's the really interesting thing about catering to extroverts versus introverts. Introverts tend to be a lot less needy. They want to do a lot of the work themselves. So for you as a business owner, instead of catering to extroverts who regularly need the one-on-one human contact, you, they want time with their bud tender, they want to shoot the breeze, they want to talk about all these other things and, and have that face time, if you're able to on your website, in your lobby, in your, your different literature and pamphlets and brochures and and st- strain, identif- strain identification cards, um, give – Non-interactive things like that, your introverted customers will educate themselves, figure out what they want, spend less time at your counters, taking up less of your bud tender's time because you were thoughtful enough to present them the information that they needed to answer their questions to help them make their buying decisions.
0: So it's kind of like, you know, uh, you're going to have a bud tender and you're going to have them trained for the extroverts because that's how they want their data. But you're also going to have your shop, whether online or in person, sprinkled with self-education devices and stuff that the introverts can read so that they can absorb the data at their own rate and then just go up to the bud tender and buy their purchase.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Mary's Medicinals Mm. does a fantastic job of this. Um, They have a really great educational pamphlet brochure that goes through all the in and outs of cannabis and what to look for and what kind of experience it gives you. And um, that is hugely valuable for the introverted buyer who is sitting in the lobby feeling kind of like they're in a can of sardines and they just want to get their stuff and get out, but they're nervous because they don't know what to get. They don't know what to ask for. And there's a, it puts a lot of pressure on them. And it, um, it doesn't have to be that way. You can help them feel confident and secure and you bet they're going to come back to you if you're able if they're able to buy on their terms without as much pressure to act in a way that isn't their preference as an extrovert.
0: You know, that makes a lot of sense thinking about Mary's Medicinals. That's a good example because you're right. They, they appeal to the logical buyer by providing you know studies for support mm-hmm. and, and providing lots of detailed information about what goes into their products. But they also are appealing to the emotional buyer because they've got a really great story and they really cater to patients. And then you're also hitting the extrovert because they've got cutting edge products yeah. that do cool things and deliver you know THC and CBD in good ways. And then for the introvert, they've got all this education online yeah. and uh, at their point of sale in, in you know uh, retail stores, so that the introvert can like pick up that that the flyer and just read it and then just go buy it. Huh? That's a good exactly.
1: point. Exactly.
0: Yes. Right on. Um, oh, looking at the time, it's time for another break. Um, we will be right back. You are listening to the theGonepreneur.com podcast. Mm-hmm. The Entrepreneur Podcast is listened to by tens of thousands of cannabis entrepreneurs and enthusiasts every single week. These folks are most likely your target customers, and we'd like to introduce you to each other. Our down-to-earth and information-rich commercial breaks can deliver your message to the cannabis business community and others who just find relief in getting high. If you want to reach out and connect with our audience in the most personal way that we can offer... Go ahead and drop us an email at grow at gontrepreneur.com and we can talk about you becoming a commercial sponsor of the podcast. Thanks for listening and being part of the gontrepreneur family. Now back to the show. Welcome back, you are listening to the Godrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Kirsten Nelson, co-founder of Blunt Branding. So during the earlier parts of the show, we were talking about the different ways to sculpt your message so that your customers um, can hear what you're saying. You're talking to them, um, uh, thinking about their perspective so that you can explain to them how the different objects or canvas that you sell fits in their life so that they buy more and increase their final purchase from you. But it's really important how you get them the message as well. And Kirsten, I know that you are a big proponent of mobile marketing. And so why don't you break down for us a little bit why you think that mobile marketing is important and maybe give us a couple of best practices.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, One of the biggest things is if you're not mobile friendly, you're losing customers and you're losing revenue, period. That's just it. Your website has to be mobile friendly. It is so critical that you do have a presence on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, those different uh, social media channels are really important. And then Google Plus, as much of a dinosaur and as unsuccessful and pain in the rear, it's always kind of been, It's really important to have at least a page set up with your business hours, your website, um, all of the basic details for your company on Google Plus, because it improves your search engine results. Uh, There are other areas like different apps that are out there, uh, have a presence and and establish your, your business and all of the business details on Leafly, weed maps, Yelp is also another really important important one because it puts you in front of your customers when they are looking for whatever it is that you're selling. So again, on these, you know, you can spend so much time and money and resources on different social media strategies. It is important to have a strategy, but at minimum, if you're just getting started, make sure that you have your location, a map to your store or your shop. Make sure you have your phone number, the hours. And like if you are a dispensary, have a menu, if you're a different kind of retailer, have a list of the different products that you offer so people can kind of explore before they come in and also make sure you have your website listed on there.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of people have been getting their Facebook pages uh, shut down if they sell cannabis. So that's probably a danger as well.
1: It is. And that is one of the most important things in any kind of business. But more importantly, in cannabis, you need to make sure that you have a highly agile strategy in your social media and plan on on when your page will shut down, not if, but when, because eventually it's going to happen one way or another. So, you know, there are a few things that you can do. Um, you can have a backup page for like if you had Facebook, have a, a backup one set up and ready to go, have all of your about information, your contact information, a few posts scheduled, um, have it ready to go in case you do get shut down. The second thing that you want to make sure that you want do is uh, be ready to contact the admin on whatever social media platform and contest that your page has been shut down. Contact them. Let them know. Uh, time is of the essence. F- essence in that it really is important that you have that contact information and and plan that into how you're interacting on online and in social media Um, have a diverse uh, number of accounts Um, so be don't just depend on Facebook don't just depend on Instagram Um, find a couple that are there so that your fans can continually interact with you if one gets shut down uh, another thing is email lists, and that's another thing that's kind of been overlooked. So newsletters collect gathering the emails in in a different way, so that you can contact them, uh, and you have more control over it than you would on social media.
0: Yeah, that the, you know the redundancy part that you mentioned makes a lot of sense because if your if your Facebook page gets shut down your fans are going to turn to your Instagram or your Twitter or your Leafly um, to find out, well, what happened? And on those other pages, you can give the address of your backup Facebook page, and then boom, you're you're back off and, and getting back in contact with your customers. Yeah, that makes exactly. a lot of sense. It's really too bad that Facebook is uh, deleting pages that we even have to have oh, that Facebook. expectation that you're going to get shut down just in case it does. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's just it's what it is and it's something that we get to deal with. And instead of get angry about it, you know, just be proactive and plan for it.
0: So other than uh, simply uh, expecting our customers to go to um, websites and social media to find out what's going on with us, I know that um, you are a big fan of increasing overall revenue by doing... um, you know, mobile text messaging promotions to to a customer base. Can you just give us two ideas for, for what these promotions could look like and, and why you're a big advocate for them?
1: Sure. Um, I'm a huge advocate for it because it is a huge untapped market. It's strange how ignored this is. I think peop, uh, business owners get a little overwhelmed and intimidated by it, but it really is incredible. I mean, American Americans, they generally t- check their phones 46 times a day that's a lot. With uh, more than 90% of text messages, they're read within three minutes. Crazy, crazy amount of access. It's, it's You're getting into someone's pocket, in their phone, in their purse, you're right there. So uh, a couple of ideas for promotions. One of the things you can do to increase sales, um, which is something that everybody's always interested in, is bringing people in on a day of the week where perhaps you have less traffic or fewer sales. Create some kind of special or promotion around that day of the week, send them a text when they're on your list. And you're going to see a boost in in your sales. Um, The second really big one, to use SMS or text marketing is to build those relationships. So one really fun thing to do in whatever business you have is create some kind of insider's list and let them know when you have new products coming in, new strains, if you're a dispensary, let them be the first to know. And it really helps them to feel like you've got their back and you're looking out for them and they can always count on you to give them the newest, latest, greatest.
0: Right on, I can totally see how being on a on a special mobile only text messaging list that lets you know first when you've got something new in the shop could really you know really emphasize your relationship with them because because suddenly you are giving them secret information that all your other customers aren't getting.
1: yep, it's pretty powerful
0: right on. Well, Kirsten, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: My pleasure, thank you.
0: Kirsten Nelson is co-founder of Blunt Branding. You can find out more at BluntBranding.com. You can also read her recent article on the Gontrepreneur.com website by following the link provided on this episode's podcast page. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur podcast in the podcast section at Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news, product reviews, and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcriptions of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. For info on me and where I will be speaking, go to shangolos.com. Do you have a company that wants to reach our national audience of cannabis enthusiasts? Email grow at gontrepreneur.com to find out how. Today's show is produced by Michael Rowe. I'm your host, Shango Lose.